0: Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson, and I'm so glad you're here. I am so excited to bring you this episode of the Finding Refuge podcast. I interviewed my dear friend and beloved Janine T. Abraham. Janine T. Abraham is a playwright, actor, and producer, and founder of VisAble Black Woman Productions. She's been practicing the eight limbs of yoga for 20 years and has been a health coach and journey dance facilitator for over 10 years. She founded Viz Able Black Woman Productions in 2017 as a space to center black women's stories to preserve our legacies. Janine is an amazing human, and she offers so many mic drops in this and pearls of wisdom and joy. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello,
1: Janine. Hi, Michelle. It's good to
0: see you. <laughs> it's good to see you, too. I'm really happy you said yes to being interviewed on this podcast. Thank you.
1: Of course. I'm honored. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we met a few years ago when i met all of these amazing people at the off the mat into the world race trauma and healing conference i think or workshop Um, and i remember meeting you and we've stayed in contact since then and that was such an interesting journey and process um, yeah. <laughs> so much happened. So it's good to be in community and relationship with you, and to actually see how healing happens. I've been able to witness that in you. Oh. Um, yeah, and I would love. Go ahead.
1: It's no. It's it, that was a a a life changing um, workshop, and just seeing how even back then, I think it was twenty fifteen, right? I think it was before. Or 2016, I was getting ready to move to Portland, Oregon. 2016, so everything was coming up. And in that workshop, some stuff came up. And you weren't even a facilitator in it. (laughs) And you were able to just step up and just really help with this racial thing that was happening in a way that was just so healing and is exactly what I feel like is needed for this time. So, so yeah, it was just really, a, a. I think stars were online for all of us to be in that training together because many of us have stayed in touch and encouraged each other through this time when, when we need a sisterhood and it is all women. And we need a sisterhood of, of warriors. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. We definitely do. Um, And I would love for you to share some about who you are, speaking of warriors, who you are and what you do in the world
1: and yeah, what you're up to. Well, I'm an actor, a writer, and I started my own production company, Viz Able Black Women Productions, back in 2017. Um, I'm also a health coach, and I started my own production company because I was just I'm at the age where every role that I was being offered was basically a black mother whose son was getting shot. And I did one play uh, where I played that. He didn't actually get shot. He was, he was harmed by a white kid and they were in the ho- we were in the hospital and we were waiting. The aunt of the white kid and the mother of the black kid had this racist, racial incident in the hospital. And as we were doing that work, I was having to rewrite the script for the white writer who was a white man. And in my career, it just, I I work in theater in New York and I've done it for 23 years. And throughout my career in off-Broadway theater, I've continually had to rewrite scripts for white people because the words that were coming out needed to be authentic and I just, never even thought as an actor that I could be creating my own work. So after that experience, and then once Trump came into the the scene um, as a politician, I knew I had to start writing and I needed to tell my stories and I needed to center black women's stories to preserve our legacies from our perspective and not through the white male lens. And I've always done yoga as a healing practice. I am agnostic. Um, I'm, I'm not a religious black woman. Um, I believe in being um, in my, I want my paradise right here, right now, today. I don't wanna wait for it or for some future heaven. So I believe in really treating people with respect and love right now and, um, and living my values and doing that as an actor, it's very hard. Um, so doing yoga has been a practice to keep me grounded in saying no to things, saying no to roles specifically that were stereotypical. And I've always done that in my career, which, which makes me, um, in my particular circumstance and my age, a person who is at a level where no one knows who I am. And yoga helps me to reconcile that all of the limbs of yoga because I, I'm here with a higher purpose um, and one of the ways that showed th- show through is through an organization called girl trek that I I do a lot of the the healing work that I do as an actor using theater and dance through a film called journey dance I was on tour with girl trek for uh, a year uh, we toured 23 cities doing a wellness revival for black women girl trek is uh, black women's health movement centered on uh, black women walking for self-care that was started by two friends back about six years ago now six or seven years morgan and vanessa and in all that time when i was posting things online and just doing my work vanessa was watching (laughs) so we did this world this na- national tour um providing i do journey dances this is a healing dance form that blends improvisational theater dance and um and just joy uh we had a storyteller we had a musician and morgan and vanessa were uh, teaching people how to organize so we called it a teach-in wellness revival Like in the civil rights movement, when folks would go down south, would they with train to to um, uh, resist? So that's what Girl Trek was doing at that time. So this is a long story to say that a lot of my work as an artist and an activist through Girl Trek has been um, really. I've, I've been able to do all of the things that I've been doing with integrity, with Girl Trek, and then to create my own production company inspired by Girl Trek, where we can create, I can create and work with artists who are in alignment with, with the values um, that I'm grounded in that center Black women's stories. So that's what I'm kind of doing.
0: <laughs> You're doing it, it's not a kind of. <laughs> We're making it happen, but I'm wondering if you could say more about what you think your Um, purpose—and you can contextualize it to this moment, or just in general on the planet as a human in this lifetime—what your purpose.
1: I I've, I think it's funny that 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 this time is coming because I've said it as a kid. I knew all of this stuff and nobody was listening. Like I'm sure you you did as well. So I felt like for the most of my life I was screaming into the void. And then also I felt like I had missed generations. Like I'm Gen X, I think I am. So it's like I missed this first civil rights movement, and now. I'm in a situation where I'm caring for my elderly parents, so I can't be out there in the street like I normally am. But my mission is just you know, humanizing black folks, telling our stories and connecting to joy beyond our given circumstances. So often in the entertainment industry, it, you know, it, white supremacy was used, um, it used the entertainment industry as a tool uh, to promote its propaganda and the American caste system. Um, you know, everyone is starting to get educated about stuff that my grandfather told me and I'm sure your grandparents told you. My grandfather was a sharecropper in South Carolina. So my boogeymen were the Klan, you know, he would tell me stories of him and his brothers and sisters and his relatives running from the Klan and those who were lynched, you know, for doing nothing. and. so those stories, as a child, you know, they were a lot of stories that he way shouldn't have been telling me <laughs> at that age. <laughs> he should not have been telling, like a four-year-old child, stuff <laughs> the violence and sex. And but I, I sucked. I would. He was a great storyteller, and he infused those stories in me. Um, and that's why I wanted to, you know, be an actor. And I also grew up in a in a very, um, I grew up as a Jehovah's witness and the community that I grew up in was multiracial. And I grew up in a utopia because they create their own world. And I it was multiracial and everyone honestly treated each other with respect and love. And black men, not black women, but black men were given a power and a respect. They could put on a suit and people, white people, would listen to them. Asian people, Latino people. So that's, I left that religion because it's not for me. It's not my truth. But having that foundation made it possible for me to believe outside a system of white dominance, that I could see this utopia that some people are talking about um, is possible. And I think my main mission is to break caste. Um, it's not right that we live in a caste system where those at the top uh, benefit from all of us at the bottom. And I'm, I know that it won't, probably won't happen in my lifetime. Who knows, maybe it will. We had, we had a black president in my lifetime, but I'm a seed planter. So planting the seeds of disruption and joy and believing in yes, and believing that we can and that we will when for our, our, our future generations, um, is what I'm here to do. And while folks are out on the street, I'm here holding it down, giving out recipes, sharing facial massage, sharing, you know, belly rubs, I love my belly dance, remembering that the revolution was grounded in laughter and joy you know, making sure everyone gets their little sex on, you know, you got to get out there protected and safe and COVID free, but we got to get our sacral chakras (laughs) resized and keep believing and, and recreating and loving each other and keeping the generations of black folks going into the future and loving each other really loving on each other. Because if you notice, white supremacy always wants to tear us apart. So yeah, I think those are my that my mission is to just really as as I grow into this next stage in my life to really share the joy of life as a black person on this planet that it's not about uh, always about us getting shot and the violence and all of the the negative things that are realities that we have to fight. There's also the joy of of of, of a, you know, getting your getting your scalp rubbed with coconut oil by a loved one as they braid your hair, sitting in a bubble bath, making some good old biscuits with with organic flour and <laughs> coconut. I'm very into coconut right now. No and re you know making if you're a vegan person, I was vegan. I love doing all that, you know, vegan woo woo stuff. If you eat some animal protein, I love throwing that down as well. So just to share those, um, creating new traditions of, of authentic food for the soul that will nourish us as we continue to resist.
0: Yeah, you're offering a lot of good um, reminders to us around um, what it actually means to create something other than the system in which we Live right; these conditions that have been created for us that we have to then navigate. And you were just talking about different foods, and I know you're a health coach, and you mentioned it mentioned it before. And I would love for you to share some about your health coaching practice, um, how you work with clients, and the different kinds of things you introduce to them. I think that'd be great for folks to hear.
1: Yeah, I'm. It's it's funny, Michelle. It's like I had closed my practice down. And I was like, I'm done. Cause I, 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 live in, I live in New York, I'm in Virginia now with my parents and it was such a saturated area of health coaching. And as soon as I closed it down, black, a few black women reached out to me <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not working. And they're like, look, we need you. One in particular was just like, I'm here for the long haul. And I need to shift my perspective in my body, and I and I'm not. She's like I've done. I'm. I have my therapist. I'm doing this, 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 and this. It's not about losing weight. I'm. My my work is doing well. I need. You, you are the missing piece. So my health. So I said yes. And my health coaching practice is. Um, you know, I only see. I see very few clients. <laughs> I have, we have to definitely um, have a, a click. You know, We have to have a, a good fit, first of all, for my client and for me. And then once we're in, it's all about really grounding into joy. and then taking the time to really learn about intuition to ground into what it is that we are really hungry for our primary foods are not the foods the physical foods that we're eating no primary foods are you know what is are you are you nourished with your 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 healthcare, you know, do you have a good doctor? Do you have a career that is feeding your soul? If you don't, how can you vision out beyond your circumstances and see the possibility beyond this job that you're doing to survive? How to thrive within this job that you have to do to make money when you're eating what are you really hungry for? Why are you reaching for that sweet, salty, fat thing? Is it actually that you're missing the nourishment of a relationship? So we dive into the, the things that actually cause us that, that, that to, to, to eat the calories that are empty, to actually fill ourselves up with life and vibrancy. and. I work specifically with, with the doctors. I make sure that each, my, my few clients I have, I have them go to the doctor and get a full checkup done before we even work together. And when they want to try a different style of eating, because I'm, I am a vegan chef and I'm a really good cook, I have a, I'm self-taught, but I've been cooking for over 30 years. And um, I make sure that we talk about and we go into journaling using my writing skills to figure out exactly what it is that you're looking for and what your body actually needs for this new diet. So there's a lot of diet fads out there. What I want is for folks to realize that our bodies need different nourishment during different stages of life. Just because the fad is vegan and if you're pregnant, and your body is saying you want a steak, if it's not against your religion um, and your body is craving this nourishment, why are you trying to be vegan when perhaps the baby's asking for animal protein? It's just like that if you're in perimenopause or you're going into menopause, your body is asking for different nutrients than it was when you were a teenager going through puberty. If you are a man, you have different needs at certain times in your life for what needs to be nourished. That's the type of work that I go through with clients, which is not easy and it's not popular and it's not what's gonna get me on, you know, whatever whatever health coaching fad is out there, but it's the real authentic stuff that are, are values that will last a lifetime and I guess the main thing would be for folks, I I, I help people to listen to their bodies really and to, to stop, slow down, and listen to what your body actually is asking for and be brave enough to give it to your body.
0: Yeah, you're doing the deep, authentic work. And um, I appreciate what you said about it not being easy. And also, not being popular because it's it's like ongoing work that you're asking your clients to sustain and and you know transformative work right it's not a not a quick fix and it's the i just love what you said it was beautiful about nourishment and what you're hungry for like the foods we're eating what is our soul hungry for so i actually think you're doing the soul work which we know is not easy work to help people navigate through or to support to like walk alongside them or move alongside them as they, as they
1: do the deep work. Yeah. And it's, and it's not for, ev- it's yeah, I, I, I've realized, you know, when, when I have clients who, um, who really get me and I get them, um, it's such, it's a much better place to, to work from than when it is for this commercialized capitalistic I must have X amount of clients to make X amount of money, Um, have, and that's been a big revelation for me Um, in in my joy, my connection to joy, and my own personal nourishment as I coach folks. And it's wonderful to be a coach because it's not, you know, I'm not a sage up there. I'm not the expert. I'm a coach with you cheering you on, (laughs) you know, to reach your health goals. And my biggest hope is for people not to need me, you know, that's what the best it's like, I want to coach you so that you can do this for yourself. So that's not like a good business model at all. (laughs) That's not like a Western model. I want to share my knowledge with you so you can plant these seeds in yourself and you can, you know, have the tools so that you can be like, look, I just broke up with someone and I want that cookie. Is it because I want that sweetness or is it because I'm wanting some love? And if I want that sweetness, it's okay. I know it's because I broke up with this person. And I want the sweetness and I'm going to claim that and name it. And I'm going to enjoy my cookie. But if that's all you're eating and it's like two years later and there's like a million cookies that you've eaten, there's a problem. You have to really know that that's why you're still aching for that. So I feel like... In Western society, we're always trying to cover up the pain, you know, and we're trying to find a quick, quick, delicious and easy ways of of dealing with problems that can be sound bites that can be on, you know, the Today Show or whatever, where health and wellness are are nothing and health and wellness is quick, easy. Some of the things are delicious but usually it takes a lot of effort, mindfulness, and self-knowing.
0: Yeah. Um, yes. Not a quick fix. We're <laughs> actually doing transformative work. Um, and, you know, you said it's not a good business model, but I don't, I don't know that it needs to be a good business model like based on Western standards because that's part of the reason we're in the mess we are right now with COVID and who's being cared for and who is not. And yeah. so I love that you are, as you said, you're, you're dreaming outside of the system and you're building something that is different. Um, and I think, you know, in time, because we have to create something new now, in time people will be drawn more to the work you're doing because I think you're doing intuitive work Right. And you're asking people to remember the truth um, and inviting them into a deep, deep practice based on their intuition and our connection. So I just
1: love the way you're working. Oh, thank you. I wish I could have said it like that. You're brilliant. <laughs> you're brilliant. You brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I just went in with COVID. It's like, you know, we, we live in a society where health and wellness is um, it's an after effect. We don't look at the cumulative effect. Right. And even as black and brown folks, this system is so designed to kill us and it keeps us working. I mean, I'm loving the nap ministry. Um, I'm forgetting her name, but I met her last year at Girl Treks Wellness Revival. She was, that's the first time I met her and the whole concept of napping, it was just like, what? And I, having her influence in my life and just just by me following her on social media. And, and it's just by design that she was and, and all of the folks that were at the, the Wellness Revival um, stress protest weekend last Labor Day. That's the big event that Girl Trek does every year. We're not doing it this year because of COVID. But it's a black women's wellness retreat in the Colorado Rockies at the YMCA. And last year was the biggest one. It was like, um, I think it was like 700 black women doing horseback riding and all. horseback riding. It, It was like summer camp for black women. And a lot of women never had the opportunity or the time to actually take a vacation like that. And she just was in the wellness tent next to me, just resting, leading a public nap. And it was just such a beautiful, a beautiful way for black women who labor in this country, for everyone, including our families, so much for us to be able to rest. Instead of it saying, follow black women, do like, we're gonna change the world and die at 65, rest and live. You know, I we're up here changing the world and I'm looking at all these white, old white rich ladies <laughs> walking around into their nineties. And, and beating all sorts of diseases. So my mission, you know, I'm, I'm open for everyone, but I center black women's health and black women's healing and nourishment um, and finding time to rest. Yeah.
0: Yes, rest is so important. And as we know, it's not prioritized. And her name is Tricia Hersey. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name right, but the that ministry is um, who you're talking about. And, and I love, what Trisha's modeling around rest and in particular for black women to rest because we've labored so much and there still continues to be so much physical and emotional labor.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so it feels revolutionary to pri- prioritize our, our rest. Yes.
1: Thank you for naming her. I'm so bad with names. I have to get better, but she was, she was, I've been following her on Instagram and met her last year. And it, it's just revolutionary. Just brilliant.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not good with names either, but I did remember Trisha. So yes, um, I wanted to ask about you mentioned we've been talking a little bit about COVID. You you just mentioned it, and um, just this time we're in right now. And I'm thinking about what you said about nourishment and us needing different things at different stages. And I'm just wondering about what you think the collective needs to be nourished at this time based on your work and your perspective and what you know like your intuition yeah. what do we need to be nourished and nurtured and to move forward in a different way which is a really big question
1: that's a that's a big question um i think what what we need right now is to it's tough because we have to do several different things right We have to be aware of what's particularly right now, we're, as we're having this conversation, the, there is a convention going on of dominant culture. The Republican convention is happening and all of these lies are being spread and I'm watching the internet just blow up. And it's, and I find my response is to actually know what they're doing, know the lies, connect and ground to the truth, give myself permission to have some discipline, and research before I react online, and have a strategy when reacting to injustice when it's happening on social media, learning about fact checking, And before posting anything, to do some research and have a strategy together. Post the thing and then peace out. Let other people randomly fight about it. Once you're done with that, go nourish yourself. Go jump through the sprinkler. (laughs) That's the political end. With the COVID stuff, it's similar. I would say that, fine, we have to be in these two bodies of, of being aware of what's happening in the world, right? And then also being able to take care of ourselves. Like we can't spiritually bypass right now. We have to be able to have our eyes on more than one thing. And it's hard to think that we can do that I like to think when, in these times, I think of the human body, right? As I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm kind of annoyed by the lawnmower guy who's just doing his job, so then I have to do the spiritual work of, Janine, just calm down. My eyes are taking you in. My heart is beating. I'm breathing. I'm digesting the little delicious bowl I just had before. Before we talked, so to say this, my body is actually each part of my body has a different job to do, and it's doing it to make me live. Each one of us to make this country change, we we all have a part to do, right? So we we have to believe that we can. We don't have to do it all, but we do have to do our part, and we have to believe that we have the ability. And for our white allies, I'm always thinking about how particularly like with people feeling like, oh, I can't do anything, COVID is happening and I feel so guilty. You know, y'all can build tiny houses out of matchsticks and live in them, you know? <laughs> you can figure out how to get other people to work for you and make all this money. So use that wisdom to, to, to change and disrupt the system that's helping you You know, it's helped you for so many generations use that wealth that's been stolen to open up doors for other folks, for black and brown and indigenous folks to uh, give our input to this country and see how much better everything will be. I think, excuse me, I'm on a tangent, but for the last thing for this COVID that we need is community those of us who are sheltering in place with the elderly um, get really looked over and also our elders. And I'd say that's the last, that's the cast that we're all gonna end up in that everybody ignores is our elders. I think in this age of COVID, it's important for folks to really think about how we view aging, how we talk about those who are getting older. Also when when you're getting older, to feature the, the beauty of it, to revere this time of impermanence, and to protect our elders in speech, in, in um, actually staying home and staying away from them, in still staying connected by calling randomly, by getting online, and I think we'll be much richer if we are able to have more reverence for those of us and those those of us who are getting older, which is all of us, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it does make sense. Everything you said and and community and how we treat our elders and how we protect them because you're right we're getting older and um, in so many ways i think at least in in the u.s we've been split apart and um, not necessarily remembering to care for our elders um, and also not valuing them right and the wisdom they have to offer us that might help us move through this this time so you know Thinking about collective care, but specifically thinking about what that means for our elders, and I'm glad that you, you named that and and um, brought it in.
1: Thanks, and yeah, and I just want to say too, like even like middle-aged elders, that's just the thing. there's even, I, I feel like our society is so focused on youth, in a way that's like that's commercial, and that it makes um, it's a perfect system because you'll never be able to maintain that, and it fits it fits in with capitalism brilliantly, because you're, you're, you're of a certain age and you're aiming to be a different age, particularly for women, um, so that you will buy products in order to maintain the illusion of a standard of, of beauty of life that is very, very difficult to live up to. So in order to disrupt all of these systems, when we're able to model for, you know, those of us who are in uh, in our in our 40s and 50s, in the middle ages as they call them, for us to model joy beyond whatever whatever age we're at, will give folks who are in their 20s who are in their teens something to look up to, rather than something to run from, and to know that we are we can be vibrant even when we are dealing with sickness, um, different illnesses, I have so many friends who are dealing with breast cancer of all ages, who are dealing with, with chronic illnesses that do not have cures, diseases that will kill them, and they're still connected to joy. So, So yeah, I think it's like during this time of COVID, I really think it's an it's a opportunity for us to vision out life in living a different way of creating a new, a, yeah, I, I really think we do have an opportunity to bust up a caste system, first of all. If we're able to break up the American caste system, and it's not going to be easy and it's, it's, it's not going to be pretty, but if we can start to bust that up, and really do the work of, of loving each other, we can create, God, it's who knows what we could actually create. And I feel like living from that point of view makes just, it allows me to connect to my joy and it fuels me to be able to, to continue on. And no matter what age you are, to still believe in yes which is something i do in journey dance which is calling in yes and using theater and the imagination magical thinking for good not just for old white men with resources for us to be those of us who believed in black panther i know it was it was a hollywood thing but the thing that was awesome about that was afrofuturism which is in comic books, black people in the future. I just heard today that, the, that I'm, I'm gonna get this wrong. I was listening to a podcast by Ben Rhodes. He was in the Obama administration um, doing foreign affairs work, but he has a podcast out and they were talking about the African continent and that is the youngest continent in the world. And China is investing in where America has taken all of its money out. China has put all of its money in, but they're investing in that continent because there's innovation happening with the young people. And there's the largest percent of young people growing in on, this, on the African continent collectively. We only hear about the death, and the death on the continent. We're not hearing about the life and the Afro, Afrofuturism. And I strongly believe we have to, here in this country, lock on to Afrofuturism. We will be alive in the future, we will be thriving in the future, and we will make make this world better because of our brilliance that's been held back, needs to be unleashed. (laughs) Unleash the black brilliance. (laughs) It does need to be unleashed.
0: I mean, you're really talking about you know rewriting the narrative about who we are as a people and what our trajectory is um as a group of people and if this morning i woke up and i was um i looked at my phone and i saw something on twitter which i'm not on very much but i something popped up and it was about the man i think his name is jacob blake who was shot in wisconsin um and the the Twitter just said, Jacob, Jacob Blake is alive. And it said it like over and over. And obviously that's a little different than what you're talking about. But it struck me because the trajectory was for him to be dead, not mm-hmm. to be alive. And I hope he survives and is able to recover. Um, I don't know what's going on today with, with what happened to him. But it just, it sort of was like a... You know, a mind shift because I'm so used to hearing like so and so this brown or black person was murdered yesterday and obviously he was deeply harmed. Um, and impacted as for his children who were in the car when this happened, but it was just a like, oh, it struck me because What does it mean for our narrative to be that we will live that we will thrive right that we will recover that we are resilient that's a completely different narrative than what white supremacy wants us to believe about ourselves.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the power of story like that's why I love, I mean, that's why I created Visible visible Black Woman Productions, is because we can use our imaginations, right, which is what our ancestors did. I'm, I, I just, uh, I'm researching a new project, and I'm reading about the birthing farms from slavery, and I'm in Virginia right now, and it was right in Maryland. This is where, if you don't know what birthing farms were, after um, Europe banned the, the, slave, the, the um, intercontinental slave trade in, I guess, the 1800s, America was like, that's cool. We got enough, we have enough diversity of, of African tribes here. We can just start breeding them ourselves. So they took black girls, children, as soon as they had their periods and would sell them for a lot of money, like a cow, to be bred on breeding farms in, um, in Maryland and in other states. And they made a killing off of that. And these girls would bear 14, 15, 16 children that were taken away from them, from different male slaves and from the white men that were managing the breeding farms. So imagine what type of imagination that child had to have, because there were there were women who survived that, and who were able to live to old age. And there were some women who were able to transcend that. So imagine what vision it took for those black women, those girls, those babies, to implant the strength and the power of the Black women and men who are here standing on the soil today, because those are our ancestors. We all come from that, and no one ever wants to talk about those stories because they're too painful. But I, reading these stories, although they've been hard, they are stealing me because I am a manifestation of the dream of my forefathers. So the stories that I create, the, I was born in the imagination of Black women and men generations ago. So the stories that I'm able to tell, I'm not going to allow white supremacy to kill my stories that are in my imagination. If there's a, a orange man in the White House who can pretend that he's amazing, why can't I see Black people in the future?
0: Word, yes. Yes, I love what you said about imagination and vision and, and transcendence in the spirit of um, future generations thriving, like that is, and, and that's our work and our practice. And it's something we need to remember. And I actually think that is one way to find refuge is, and respond to despair is to remember what you just named about imagination and vision and where we're from um, and what our work is now and where we're, where we're going.
1: Oh, that's total refuge. And I love that you named this refuge because that's like a, that's what, that's what, that's like, that's what it take, that's what it took, a mental refuge. Like we're, so much in Western society is about, you know, paying someone else and it's necessary, right? To pay someone else to help you to do X, Y, and Z. But the refuge that it takes You need a refuge to go to when the shit is happening in real time, right? Mm -hmm. When you're dealing with with an elderly parent who's, who's dying in front of you and you have to take out the bedpans of your mother and you have to be able to care for her as she cared for you and love her and not let her see the pain that you're having because it's your mother you got to find some refuge somewhere. There's no pill that you can take that's going to help you with that. You have to have your spiritual practices down so that you can deal with that. When you're a mother having to deal with your sick child, you know, in this world of COVID (laughs) where you don't know, I mean, the the mother's having to to decide on whether they're going to send their babies out to school or not in this foolishness. Mm -hmm. It's like you need a place of refuge, and if you there's no cheating now, we can't cheat this and we can't pay somebody. We have to do the work of creating structures of of uh, practices of refuge and taking the time, or else you can't you can't care for other people if you're broken down. You can't fake that. You really yeah. can't.
0: That's right, yeah. And and I love how you just named refuge and and what we need to do right now to find that to actually move through this moment, right? And then the next moment of um, tumult and all the things that are happening, but while remembering our joy and resilience. And I think I would. Oh, go ahead.
1: I mean, I've been thinking about too. It's like also in community. I've seen. I've been seeing stuff online, and we're all we're all sheltered in, but. We got to like, somebody posted on, um, it was again on the NAT ministry, because she said that someone posted, you know, it, 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 she said, we need to stop just checking on the strong friends. Do you see that? Which was brilliant. It made me think. She, she said, why are we, why are we basically creating, I'm using my own words, why are we creating a caste system within wellness, right? We need to check on everybody. Community care means checking on everybody. And people were giving her pushback because they're like black women are always working and then you gotta check on your but that's a radical idea that we check on everyone because if you're so busy checking on everybody, whenever someone is strong and whenever someone is weak, there's always gonna be somebody there looking for you who has your back. So it's not and 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 checking on folks, it's not a um It's not it's not a um, I don't have the right words. I'm not it's not like an interaction where it's like I'm going to check on you this time and you're going to check on me this time and you didn't check on me. So I'm not going to check. That's like a capitalist, selfish way of thinking of it. If you check on someone out of unconditional love, you know, just check on people then there's no guilt of like oh my god i didn't call this person back because it's like if if i know you know i i know like i I know you're busy, <laughs> you know. so I'm not going to be like Michelle didn't call me back because you have books to do and you're doing a workshop every other week and Doing all sorts of stuff. But I'm going to make sure because I see you doing all of this stuff and helping everybody else. I'm going to send you a little silly dance thing. That'll brighten your day because you're my friend and I love you and I don't need anything back from that, you know, the gift is me giving And I feel like we, particularly now in COVID, where everybody's in the shit, and forgive me for, you can bleep me, sorry. But but when everybody's in it, we all have to start. And if, you know, people are doing this, kudos, but we need to start thinking about giving unconditionally and what that means. You know, if you're just spreading like in that, in, I hate to bring out the Jackson, it's the Jackson 5s, remember, can you feel it? that video of Jackson and they're just, they got all that stardust and they're giants and they're just spreading all of that joy and love out to everybody. That's what I'm thinking about when I'm doing, it's like, can you feel it? (laughs) That's how big our hearts have to be. And when your heart is that big, when you're going through stuff unexpectedly, somebody will send you a blessing. And it's not because you're you're doing it to get it. You're doing it from a place of, you know what, I'm just giving this out unconditionally. And that's, that's not giving, giving when you don't have anything, you know, not calling when you're at your worst and you want to just talk to somebody so that they'll, (laughs) they'll be the, they'll be the dumping point. I'm not talking about that. That's what you need, got your therapist for. I'm just talking about, remembering that we're all human and we're all going through a tough time. And it's like checking and be like, "Um, how you doing? You okay? You all right? Tell me if you're not just sending you, I love you. Stuff like that. I feel like we need that during this time.
0: Yeah. And you practice that all the time. And I really appreciate your heart and, and the way you share it with others. I think that's such a gift because of everything you just named and you know speaking of blessings we need to support your work and show up for you and i would love for you to share before we um, wrap up today i'd love for you to share some about how people can connect with you and of course i'll put it in the show notes too but how people can connect with you and if there's anything coming up this will um air in september so if there's anything coming up that you want to share with us
1: definitely sorry i'm gonna pause one second because i want to get my I want to get the name right. I keep changing this podcast. Yeah, I definitely have some stuff happening. I'm, people can find me on in Instagram at um, visable, V-I-S-A-B-L-E, black woman. And I've got a podcast called Visable Black Woman, The Podcast. and. My season two is happening. Um, uh, it will be launching in uh, September. Uh, but season one, what I do is my podcast is a little eclectic. I, I have since theater in New York, we don't know what's happening with theater these days. I've started doing uh, live podcast play reading recordings on my virtual studio on a platform called core to core which Michelle is also on and we teach classes there, yoga and so forth. So we do live podcast play reading recordings. And um, in September, our podcast play reading is uh, my last play in a series, it's called Community Organized! It's about three black women organizing a health march for Girl Trek in the basement of, the church, of, a, of a Baptist church in Brooklyn in the third Trump administration. That's right, I said third, this is a dystopian third Trump administration. Um, So if you want to listen to the podcast, that's something that would be really helpful if you could subscribe, rate, and share if you love what you hear. I have meditations on there. I have journey dance, I've got interviews. I have a beautiful interview with Michelle on that podcast. You can also find uh, Support Visible Black Women Productions on Patreon. Now with COVID happening, theater is is gone basically but it's not it's it's virtual and we are writing i've i've got several scripts in development i have a crew of actors who are just aching to work and putting these plays on podcast it's been really fantastic and we could use some support so just for like three dollars a month or 5.99 a month you get recipes health coaching and all the lovely stuff that I do in exchange for your support of the arts. So those are the things I'm doing.
0: I am excited for all the things you are doing um, and all that you bring that you gift to us. And so people definitely check out Janine and the amazing work and how you're using your imagination, right? So support Janine and using her imagination in ways that can be really challenging for some of us but you're doing it and dreaming up what we um, need in the future. And I love you and and appreciate you taking some time to talk to me today about who you are and what's present for you. And thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, I love you right back. You're spectacular. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this month's episode of Finding Refuge. I hope you gained a lot from listening to Janine. You can continue to support Finding Refuge by sharing this podcast with beloveds you think might be interested in listening. You can rate Finding Refuge and you can support my work by following me on Patreon and becoming a patron of Skill in Action. You can also be stay up to date with my offerings on my website at michellecjonson.com. Thank you so much. And I hope that this podcast is providing some medicine and healing for your soul. Take care and stay tuned for next month's podcast. In October, I um, will bring a conversation forth that I had with Tema Oaken, my mentor, teacher, and beloved friend. Be well, friends.